January 1, year of our Lord, 2023. The adult class has started this morning with the book of John. I'm just going to read the first verse. You don't have to turn there. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so how do you have a beginning when he who it is speaking of is eternal? There are things here that are absolutely profoundly wonderful that I do not fully understand. He that has no beginning and no end says, in the beginning. I, uh, I frequently take the first day of the year and I lay out, at least mentally, how I'm going to start my worship, private worship time for the remainder of the year. There's been years I've read through the whole Bible, there's been years I've taken New Testament and so forth. And I'd like to encourage you to do that. Um, to lay out a pattern. I don't know about you, but if I don't have um, some idea of how I'm going to worship privately and study, I tend to not do it at all. I, I get real lazy. And uh, so I like to, and this morning, so I, I picked up and I started in Matthew this morning and I, I learned something, again, I didn't know. I learned a lot in Sunday school this morning. Problem isn't learning, it's remembering for me. Do you know that when Matthew wrote his book by the Holy Spirit, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. It is the only book that does that. All the others are the kingdom of God. There's a fundamental reason why. The kingdom of God, which would be in the synoptic gospels, the other three of the gospels, Matthew, uh, uh, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk about the kingdom of God, but even the, to use the name of God is offensive to the Jewish mind. And so when, Paul, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. Because if you want a book, is how to reach the Jewish people and the Jewish mind, Matthew is normally where we would go. Among us Gentiles in Greek and Roman and in and German backgrounds, we would turn to probably the book of John, and maybe by extension, the book of Romans. But to the Jewish mind, Matthew's the book. Just interesting. I don't have any major point with that, other than it's the beginning of the year. Lord, teach me. Show me. Help me to understand. The amazing thing about God's word is that the more I know, the more I realize how little I know. And so it's always fresh and new. It is always encouraging. Most of you, maybe all of you, are younger than I am, and I've got to tell you, there is no end to the wisdom that is found in God's Word. Find your days, and I don't know how you are. Everybody's different. If it's late at night or whatever, it's okay. I like to get up, and the first thing I do in the morning is to read a portion of God's Word, spend some time there. And I want to encourage you to do that. The second thing I want to do this morning is uh, Brother Bart has asked me next weekend to talk about our 
trip to Kenya, and I'm, we're going, Lord willing, we'll try to do that. But the second thing I want to do is thank you for praying. Yeah, no idea. Uh, it was not easy. It was wonderful, but it was not easy. And I want to thank all of you that took even a few moments of your time to remember us and the work that was there. What are your prayer requests this morning? Praise reports, prayer requests. Dickerson family having difficult times, okay? John, maybe I'll just call on you to pray in a little bit. Anyone else? Yes. Yeah. So your daughter Rebecca? having twins and she's having some high blood pressure issues to pray for her. Okay, thank you. Very good. Bible school starts tomorrow morning, remember. Amen. That's really, that. I wanna tell you, you young people and those of you who are going, if you haven't gone this year, I really would encourage you to go. Um, it is just that, it is, Bible school, and it is a week of intense training, and I would encourage you, it's like boot camp. Um, I was asked yesterday by uh, Brother Merle Schweitzer, who was still in Kenya where we were, he said, when you gather tomorrow, ask the congregation to remember to pray for us, for wisdom in Kenya.
Good morning. We welcome you. We invite you to open, your, open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. As I was considering coming today and bringing a, a message on the first day of the year, this verse kept coming into my mind. Because it begins to describe to me, it sort of summarizes about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. I appreciate Phil talking about that here as we started this morning. Because this is the, this is the arena that we live in. We're in a thing called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, but just like we, he, as he was reading there, the first verse in the book of John, it says, in the beginning, God. And that is a description also. You have an everlasting God who, had, who talks about a beginning. I think we understand that, that that beginning was the beginning of you and I, the beginning of our universe and our time and place and our history and the place where we live and, and where we function. And all of that was there. Who God, who was outside of that, created a beginning for us. And we find ourselves in the kingdom of heaven, and we need his peace. I think that's why this verse popped out to me, because we, we are in such a, a difficult time in history, and maybe, maybe everyone in history always felt like they were in a difficult time, but, but we've, we're here, and so we feel this, and we understand what's going on in the politics, and we understand what's in the nations, and on the cultures, and, and all those different things that are happening, and we need the peace of God, and this verse tells us, this is a summary of the kingdom of God, it says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, and that's you and I, thinking things about God, and we don't fully understand it. It is so far beyond us. But God says, I want to bring my peace into your heart, into the kingdom where you are, even though you don't fully understand it, you never will in this life, because it passes every bit of your understanding. And this same peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's God working, working in us to keep us, to, to <clears throat> keep us all together. And it was through the function of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ that that could be. So this verse is such an, an amazing summary of all of those things together. But let's, I just want to elaborate on this just a little bit. <clears throat> we'll put it into a different uh, method here of, of breaking it down into four phrases. And then we want to begin to amplify. Yet maybe you've read a, a Bible before that's called the Amplified Version. And I didn't go to the Amplified Version, but I was studying in John MacArthur's study Bible and there were some notes there. And I'm going to have to make reference to that because John, a lot of this came from his study Bible and from other passages of Scripture. But take this phrase, and the peace of God, this is that tranquility that thankful confidence 
in God. And we could spend all morning meditating right there. Because the peace of God that comes over us provides the peace that we, don't, we can never understand in our own life because our lives are not peaceful. And it's a real difficult thing to ever come to a point where you feel like that you're at peace, but God says, I can bring you peace and I can put it into your life and you can experience tranquility. And in that, you are being thankful for all that Jesus Christ has done for you and all that God has done for you from the beginning, from even before the beginning of our time. And we can put all of our confidence in God, because we don't have a lot of confidence in ourselves or anything that's going on around us. We can put confidence in God. And the Bible describes God, names God, as truth and righteousness. We'll come to that passage in, in a little bit. But that's so fascinating, because it, doesn't that describe, you might say, the culture wars of today? Everyone is concerned about what is truth and what is right, or what is righteous, what is moral. Those two thoughts contain or, or are so much a part of today's fight. Because the, one of the main things in today's culture war is people want to say, my truth. I live in my truth. And, and if I'm living in my truth, well, then that's what's right for me. And, and you can have your truth too, but I live in my truth. But God says he is truth. That there is an absolute truth, and it's God himself. And that he is righteousness. And this is not just a moral issue. He personifies truth and righteousness. So when God says he wants to place his peace into us, the one who is truth, the one who is righteousness, can fully bring you to a place of being at peace in him, in the kingdom of God. That's the first phrase. Let's move on. <clears throat> Which passeth all understanding. It surpasses. It transcends all human intellect, analysis, and insight. There is no one that can say that they're so smart that they can outthink God and outthink his ways. Because we're human. We cannot go there. It completely goes beyond anything that we would ever be able to think about or to understand. <clears throat> the peace of God goes beyond that. And his truth and his righteousness and all of that goes beyond our ability to think. And this is what this peace of God is able to keep our hearts and our minds, it watches over, it guards. This is a military term here. This keeping is a military term of God has put in place what is necessary to watch us and to guard over us and to provide all of the protection that we would need for everything in our inner being, our inner person. And there is no doubt, there is no fear, there is no anxiety, there is no distress, there is no phobia, there is no just stress of life that he isn't going to be able to shield us and to keep us from in the kingdom of heaven. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through 
Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in the Bible, in the New Testament, it mentions Christ Jesus, and sometimes it mentions Jesus Christ? Do you think there's any significance to that? Have you ever noticed that when you're reading through that? Sometimes they specifically choose the placement of those words. And you go into the Greek, you'll see the same placements are there. The same understanding. Sometimes they're referencing Jesus Christ. Jesus who came into the world, who became a man, who taught, who went to the cross for you and I, is also the Christ. But in other places you're referencing first the Christ, who is God himself that came as Jesus. So as you read those passages, think about it. How is that placement affecting what you're reading right at that moment? But Jesus is the, is the tool. He's the instrument. He is God himself who died for our sins. He was resurrected eternally, and he indwells us by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a, an, an interesting passage when Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 14. and <clears throat> John 14 was referenced today already. Jesus says, and when he was giving instructions to his disciples, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. See, Jesus Christ was talking about this peace. This is Jesus' peace that he wanted to give to us, to leave unto us. He says, let not your heart be troubled, let me begin again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be, let it be afraid. <clears throat> and so we see there <clears throat> Jesus talking about this, his peace that he wants to give unto us. He is talking about his guardianship over our hearts. So you don't, want to, you don't need to be afraid. Because the peace that I give is not the same peace that you might find in this world. It's something completely beyond any imagination of your understanding. So we thought about, thought about those things. And thinking about the new year coming on, this kind of begins to place us in a position in the kingdom of God And it's just hard to, it's hard to describe. <laughs> we, want, we tend to get so distracted and so involved with the things that we're afraid of or things that distress us or create anxieties and so forth. But God has said he wants us to give us this peace and all the things that are attached to that and how it functions in us through the Holy Spirit. And we can be, remind ourselves as we go into this new year that this is God's plan. And we also sense in so many ways that God enjoys demonstrating things to his people, to us, that are beyond our understanding. We just were reading, and as we read through in December, about the different aspects of the birth of Christ. And if you go into Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> you have the, uh, the angel appearing unto Zacharias. And uh, Zacharias is burning, offering incense, and this angel appears next to the altar. 
and begins to speak to Zacharias, and it talks about the fear that falls upon Zacharias. And the very first, the words that come from the angel is, fear not, Zacharias. And this is also in the, same, in the same book, same chapter, it talks about an angel coming, Gabriel coming to Mary, and, the, and she was troubled by, what is all this? And his first words are, fear not, Mary, because that's where people tend to go. That's where you and I tend to go. Our first reaction to something that's really unusual, really beyond our understanding, is fear. And the angel keep coming back and saying, fear not. When the announcement came to the shepherds out there in the, in the darkness, looking out over their sheep, and all of a sudden the glory of God in all of these angels appears, and they were sore afraid. And the angel says, fear not. For I have a, have a message, I have great tidings to give to you and to all people that a Savior is born today in the city of Bethlehem. And he goes on with that whole announcement and they go and they find that babe and, that, and all of the attached signs and significance of who Christ was born there in Bethlehem that night. But the tendency of people is to fall into fear. And that's why God talks about his peace being able to be poured into us because we tend to go right to fear. But it also tells us in Luke chapter 1, when the angel was talking to Mary and he was explaining to her about your cousin Elizabeth, who was already six months along with John the Baptist. And this angel makes a, drops a little comment and he says there in verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I think God enjoys bringing things into our lives that we think are completely impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. There are things that pass our understanding completely, surpass it, transcend it completely, and God, I think God enjoys that to show himself, to demonstrate himself, to demonstrate his power and his control over all things. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You know, back in Genesis chapter 18, there was a time when Abraham and, and Sarah, and they were quite elderly, and, and an angel uh, came to them and is announcing that they are going to become pregnant, they're going to have a son. And I think Sarah even is laughing behind the tent door. And this angel is hearing that. And the angel there says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I think God enjoys that. He wants us to understand that this life is not just everything. That we are living in a kingdom, but we are living in an eternality that God is in. And he wants to keep reminding us that we have a plan of being in an eternal place with him in his kingdom. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Then in Jeremiah, you might want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 32. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 32. And this was uh, some of the time when Jer Jeremiah was giving these uh, predictions, these prophecies that God had given him about that the city was going to be taken by Nebuchadnezzar. 
And it says in verse 26 of Jeremiah 32, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord and the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is a theme that God is placing in his Old Testament and his New Testament <clears throat> to challenge our understanding. Is there anything that is too hard for God? Verse 28, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And he goes on and describes that, that it will be taken. But then the chapter also closes out by saying that there's going to come a time of the return of people back to Jerusalem and, is, and it's also connecting it to the end time things and it goes into chapter 33 and it's talking about the branch of righteousness who is Jesus Christ. And so it's connecting it to prophetic things of the end times of God finishing his plans for this world. But God's question is, is there anything too hard for me? Also turn over to Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 8, move forward a little bit in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 8. Picking it up in verse 3 here, down to verse 8. Zechariah chapter 8, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountains. And he's again returning, or thinking about a time when there'll be a great returning, but it's going to be an eternal return and a, re a returnal restoration of his people of, into Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall be shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord. God is describing his pure delight in bringing about his plans a restoration of the people back to Jerusalem, and it's a delight in his heart. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. <clears throat> and that's where I got the description that God is truth, and he personifies truth and righteousness. It's God's plan, it's God's delight to do things that are unimaginable in a reasoning mind how it would be possible for a people to be scattered throughout the world and to be brought back into, some, into an eternal condition with God and become his people and he will be their God in truth and in righteousness. And there's many other scriptures that go on in Isaiah and other places that are talking about the messianic uh, signs and, pr and prophecies and that this whole thing is not just to the Jews but that the Gentiles are going to be called into this and that the plan of God was for all people. It wasn't just for the Jews. There are two fascinating examples. You might want to turn to 2 Kings Chapter 19, the two kings of Israel, Hezekiah and Asa, that are just amazing with their understanding of God's work in their lives and in their kingdom.
2 Kings chapter 19. Pick this up in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And this letter was a letter coming from a foreign king that wanted to come and destroy them. And it, and it was coming with all of the history of destroying all of the nations around them. This was an unimaginably critical letter. And for every part of human reasoning, they were going to be destroyed. And he received this letter from that king. And he read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their hands, their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech you, say thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against Herakim, king of Assyria, I have heard. <clears throat> and he was defeated. But Hezekiah understood the peace that only God could give him. The, of the God who was actually truth, actually righteousness, who actually controlled things, who he simply gave up the entire country into God's hands and say, you are able to do this. Do this so that the whole world will know who you are. He was living in the peace that only comes from God. Also turn forward into 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and you have the example of Asa. 2 Chronicles 14, Asa was the king there, and he was facing a situation where he had among his own soldiers 580,000 men who were armed. They had swords, they had spears, and, and they were a well-equipped army. 580,000. But from Ethiopia had come 1 million soldiers and 300 chariots. And chariots at that time were a vicious tool of the war. And so he knew that in all of the reasoning of war college, that if I have 580,000 men and they've got a million and 300 chariots, we're done. There was nothing to reason about that. It was an impossible situation. But here in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. 
Asa was resting in the peace of God. He said, Lord God, it is not a big thing for you to come and to help us. And whatever happens, Lord, we are, we are at rest in you. We're going to go in your name. And we know that you are able to, to fight this battle. Oh, that I could live like that. When the battles that are overwhelming come and, and they're facing us, and there is no way to reason out of it, but to turn to the Lord God and, and just live there in his peace because it's going beyond my understanding. I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to fix this. But we know that you do, Lord, and it's a small thing for you to come and to deliver us in whatever you would imagine. I'd like for you also to turn over to Romans chapter 8. We want to finish up in this portion. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, picking it up in verse 26. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When we learn to live in the Spirit, in the kingdom, in the presence of the peace of God, then we start to understand what this verse is describing. Praying in the Spirit, and the, and the Holy Spirit who understands us is in, interceding for us with groanings, which, the words that are not even being said. But that's where you and I live, in the kingdom of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And again, we've entered into an area that is beyond our understanding. We don't fully understand what that means. But God has given us an opportunity to live in his kingdom and to place his peace upon us and to know that God himself by his Spirit is interceding on our behalf at the throne of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Living in the kingdom of God is in a place that we don't fully understand, but God says he is for us. <laughs> and we just, have, we just have to trust that. That's what faith is, to trust God. And God says he's for us. God says he's interceding on our behalf in our spirit. And even when we cannot even verbalize What's going on in our heart? God knows what's going on in our heart. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of, the, of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 
If God be for us, who can be against us? There is no one that can lay a charge to our account. Because God has, he's, he has destined us, he has called us, he's justified us, he has glorified us, he has an intention for us, he wants us to live in his peace, and no one can lay a charge against us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in verse 35? What a powerful question that is. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Living in his kingdom, in his peace, that is beyond our understanding. And he says he is going to keep us. He's going to keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And keeping us for an eternal day is his plan. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You know, all of these things in the third part here, so watching over us guards our whole inner person or inner being from all doubt and fear and distress. And this list right here goes in with that. Every distress, every persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword, all of that, God is keeping us and guarding over us. Who shall separate us from that? And it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has called us to know his peace, to know even when it's beyond our understanding, to have faith, to rest in that. He's going to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and through all of the work upon the cross and his resurrection and his eternal plans for us. And no one can separate us from the love of God. Let's go to prayer. Oh, Father, our God, our Lord, our Savior, we thank you that you were at the beginning of this world, that you created all things, you put it all into your plans, and that your plans, that whatever it is that you have started, we know we can trust you that you're going to finish it. Oh, Father, we thank you that your plans are true and purposeful and that you have a place for us to be in your kingdom and to be a part of your mission and to be an influence upon others and to be a witness unto others of all that you have offered to people. Oh, Father, let us be people that are looking <clears throat> for opportunities to spread your word, to spread your kingdom in this world, but also to be people living in your peace, looking unto an eternal time of all the promises that you have planned for us. Oh, Father, we thank you for each one that is gathered here today. We thank you, Father, <coughs> of the believing hearts that are here. And sometimes we get tripped up. Sometimes we do get stressed out. But, Father, help us to be reminded that your word is teaching us about your kingdom and how we can turn to you and to trust you and to know that you've got it covered and that you are able to take care of those things. 
Oh, Father, help us with our hearts that we'll be able to trust you through all of those conditions. Father, we pray this day, as we go forward in this year, Father, that we can be more sensitive through your word to the needs of other people and to the needs of the community that we're in, Father. Help us to be searching and to be willing servants and ambassadors of your kingdom into the places and the people where we live. Oh, Father, we pray your blessing upon each one that is here. We also, Father, pray for the uh, meal that has been prepared for today. We pray your blessing upon it for our use in our bodies, <clears throat> to be reminded that you are providing the things that we need for the bodies that you have created us in. Oh, Father, we thank you for the rich blessings of fellowship and the rich blessings of being here in Cornerstone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat>
shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. <coughs> shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul. It is well. Some of you may have an announcement. We'll come to that momentarily. I've received a, uh, an announcement that uh, Brother Bob Lehi from Pennsylvania is asking us to pass on here in our congregation concerning the uh, 2023 CAST project, which is a work program uh, that, is, that we're in, as a church are involved with. Uh, it's part of the alternative service uh, for the selective service um, needs within the nation and it's a project uh, that our young men need to be involved with to be as, as part of their conscientious objector status. Okay, so this project will be in February this year in uh, a place called the South Cumberland State Park near Mont Eagle, Tennessee. And the exact dates are not yet determined, but it'll be approximately four weeks during the month of February. And they are looking for additional people to uh, young men to be a part of that and also staff members. So bro contact Brother Bob Lehigh in Pennsylvania uh, to help with that project. Now, other announcements that need to be included here. <coughs> Jenny, go ahead. Okay, Rhoda Martin uh, would like one or two helpers on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday at the Bible School to help with the kitchen work. Contact Rhoda Martin. Go ahead. You want to come up here? Start of the switch. 